Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Hello, this is Amy. As you listen to our conversation with Maurice on equitable and accessible healthcare, please know that neither of us are medical experts and any insight provided should not be taken as medical advice. It is just for informational purposes only. And each person is unique. So please consult with a trusted healthcare professional for medical or health-related questions, especially as it relates to identifying the appropriate and right care for you and if medication or natural remedies are the right fit for your needs. Today, we're talking about the benefits of telehealth and the impact it can have in receiving the care that we need. Maurice Chang, co-founder and CEO of Prairie Health, is joining us to talk about accessible and equitable healthcare and how we can be a part of shaping the future of telehealth. Thank you for being with us, Maurice. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, please feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be on the show. I'm Maurice, co-founder and CEO of Prairie Health. To provide a bit about of a background about how I got started, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, surrounded by science. Both my parents were in cell and molecular biology at Vanderbilt. I subsequently spent many of my formative years at Stanford, uh, where I completed my undergrad in bioengineering and grad school in computer science. I also had the fortune to see the levers of change that I could push through entrepreneurship, which is very widely taught throughout the Stanford ecosystem, and through the power of clinical research in psychiatry and big data. And all of this allowed me to really pursue what I was really passionate about, which was mental health care. For me, mental health issues have always had a special place in my heart. Over the years, I've seen inadequate care profoundly affect both my family and my friends. And I started Prairie Health to reimagine what mental health care could be and build a world where everyone had access to amazing care. Thank you so much, Maurice. Thank you for sharing and opening up on why mental health is so important for you. I'm really excited to be able to talk with you today. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to share some context for where I'm coming from as well. So people have that in mind as they're listening to this conversation. So mental health challenges, financial strain, societal pressures, and stigma all played an important role in fissures becoming critical fractures in my family. So issues that could have been resolved just compounded and grew because there just wasn't the support, there wasn't the finances, there wasn't the education, the understanding, and the stigma was so pervasive at that time that it really, there was a lot of shame and fear really around the challenges we were having. So, and this is not just true for my family, but it's also going back generations. A lot of the issues that mental health challenges go back a long way. And the consequences of a lack of health care and a lack of finances and stigmas like that, that's had a profound impact not only on my life, but the lives of people I care about, just like you were sharing. 
So when we're talking about telehealth as a part of creating better access to healthcare, that's that really strikes a chord with me. And I think it is really important that we understand how we can shape the vision of our individual and collective future as it relates to virtual care. Before we dive in, I'd like to, maybe if you can, share a little bit more about what Prairie Health is, the resources it provides, how you serve the community. I think that will be really helpful for the listeners to have that insight um, so we're all on the same page as we get started. Thanks, Amy, and thank you for sharing a bit about your background. I really resonate with the idea that mental health care needs to be more accessible and equitable. And at Prairie, our mission is really simple. You know, we hope to leverage research and technology to empower everyone to achieve better mental health. And for a bit of context, antidepressants used today were oftentimes developed on white men before the NIH Revitalization Act of 1993 that mandated the inclusion of women and minorities in clinical research. So as a result, standard dosing is scheduled today. So what standard dosage you're going to start on are oftentimes inappropriate for most women and people of color. And with little data driving treatment decisions, antidepressants are you know, again, oftentimes prescribed trial and error, resulting in severe side effects. And, you know, at Prairie, I strongly believe that mental health care really should be made for all, not just the people that these medications were developed on a long time ago. And we've built a data-driven telemedicine platform for mental health, leveraging the latest in psychiatric research, AI, and genetics to get our members the right care for their biology. So what this looks like in practice is, you know, first you'll sign up, we'll charge a $99 per month fee for our care program. There's no surprise bills, no challenges navigating insurance, no long wait times for care. I'm sure many people are aware, once you go out to seek care, it takes three, four, five weeks from the time in which you even find a psychiatrist to get into the, get into the clinic to actually get care. And once you sign up, you'll meet with the care team, your care partner, who's a clinical social worker, and a psychiatrist to discuss your goals. And then within a few days, you should also receive a saliva-based genetics test to your door. You'll spit in it and send it back to our lab for processing so that the psychiatrist we work with can use that along with your medical history data to make a more informed treatment plan for you and your body. One, not made for a 200-pound white man, although we certainly are able to serve everyone, but one that's made for you and your genes. In subsequent months, you'll be able to talk to your care partner and psychiatrist over a video call and get your medications delivered straight to your door. It's so important for people to feel just knowing that there's a resource that not only provides care, but also recognizes right off the bat that we're individuals. We have unique genetic makeup and history and different kinds of priorities and goals for our health. So really meeting people where they're at and not taking a template that's been developed in the past and trying to apply that to the person that you're trying to serve. You can be so disenfranchising for people who are just simply looking for care for themselves. I completely agree. And that's really well summarized. The idea that there's a one-size-fits-all solution for a 200-pound white man and a 90-pound Hispanic female or an Asian female or, you know, everyone has a different genetic makeup. Everyone has a different response to medication. 
So we should be considering everyone as individuals. And I, I think that's just such a great way to phrase it, that we're really disenfranchising people in the current way that things are done. So I work with the community and people who have expressed their needs and concerns and being able to find the right resources that meet them exactly where they're at and affirm their value and help them get on the right track. And I really appreciate that this is important to you as well and shows up in what you do. Um, So I have another question pertaining to people getting the care that they need. I know that pharmaceuticals can be really important. They played an important role for people that I love and care about in my life. But I also know that natural remedies can be an important part of care for people as well. This has been especially true for me personally. So what are your thoughts on pharmaceuticals and natural remedies as part of the care people receive? And are both of those options available at Prairie? Yeah, thanks for asking, Amy. I think that there are many different ways in which we can help people with their mental health care, whether that be through communities, whether that be through therapy, whether that be through meditation resources. There's so many resources out there outside of medication that are very beneficial for improving people's mental health. And that even extends today to psychedelics, in which has become an emerging field where emerging science really supports the fact that that could help people uh, improve their mental health. So that's something we firmly believe. At Prairie, we focus on psychiatry and we do focus on medication. And medication isn't for everyone. And medication isn't always the hammer to hit the nails with. You know, oftentimes it's not the right solution, but oftentimes it is. And today, for the people who do require medication, they're not being met with care that's actually effective for their body. People who do need medication right now are kind of in a hole. They have to go to a psychiatrist and they have to go to their primary care physician. They're prescribed a standard first-line medication that oftentimes doesn't work. We want to really fill that hole for the people who do need medication. We want to get them medication that works for them. But again, we really do believe that mental health is a holistic problem. And we partner with therapy groups. We partner with with other organizations that also help connect our clients and members to resources that extend beyond medication. So natural remedies, a completely essential part of the equation. But for us, our unique advantage is around using genetic testing, using artificial intelligence and machine learning to drive better outcomes with medication. So that's an area that that we try and stick to and focus on. Thank you for providing that clarification. So transitioning into our conversation on telehealth, as you and I talked about before, when we first met and we're talking about getting together for an episode on telehealth and equitable and affordable uh, access to healthcare, um, one of the things we were talking about is that telehealth is an important part of making healthcare more accessible and equitable for people in the different walks of life and their different life situations. It can really meet people where they're at in a lot of ways. So to kind of kick off this part of the conversation, can you talk more about telehealth in general, how it can meet the needs of people and the potential impact that it has on creating accessible and affordable care? Yeah, absolutely. 
So just getting in the door can be a challenge, as I'm sure many people are aware. As we talked about earlier, on average today, people have to wait three plus weeks just to see a psychiatrist after they schedule their appointment. And and this is, of course, beyond the fact that it takes 75% of the time, a psychiatrist won't even pick up the phone call because they have a full roster of clients or And even just picking up that phone call to make those initial calls to psychiatrists can be nerve-wracking and difficult for someone with anxiety or depression. And then, of course, then there's that physical challenge of leaving, if you're at work, leaving work early, telling your boss, hey, I need to take time off to go see my psychiatrist, driving over, waiting in a waiting room, seeing the psychiatrist and driving back. And I could all take half a day, if not more, and be really draining. And I think telehealth opens the door to immediate access to care on your own terms. On your couch, in your bed, where you're comfortable, when you feel psychological safety, and lower that barrier to entry for you to go seek care. And I think that's so important for so many people where seeking care and taking that first step is already so challenging. And in fact, studies show that for certain disorders like PTSD and some phobias, telehealth is in fact more comfortable better for patients and leads to better outcomes. And, you know, according to the APA, uh, for other types of conditions, telehealth, in their view, is equivalent but different to in-person care and, and also adds a lot of benefits. But again, for, for more serious conditions and SMI disorders, oftentimes in-person care is required as well. So, you know, telehealth isn't for everything, but it can certainly be a great tool in our tool set to drive better care, deliver more accessible and equitable outcomes. And another piece to this also is the question of access to rural Americans. You know, folks who don't live in major city hubs oftentimes don't even have access to a psychiatrist. And in some places, that's like one for every 100,000 people. You know, it's insane how that disparity of access occurs throughout the United States. And I think telehealth provides a great opportunity for us to provide access to folks that really do need it and don't have access to in-person care today as well. Especially people who feel like they're competing with a template that doesn't even serve them well, that there's metrics and data that doesn't even apply to them. And then they're being treated based off of that. That could be so discouraging if you're in a place where you don't have access to healthcare and then the healthcare you can find isn't validating or meeting you where you're at and really helping you. And that kind of provides its own set of roadblocks and challenges. I also think when we're talking about helping people to really step into a better place in their life, they need appropriate care. And just being able to, you know, meet them, like you said, in their room and the comfort of their home is really key. I like the fact that you brought up having anxiety and depression too, because it can have a huge burden on someone to think about go to, going into a public place, especially if you have additional anxieties around exposing yourself to illnesses because of underlying health conditions. And it can be a whole other level of stress if you have unique access or transportation needs. I think all of that can factor into whether people will actually go get the care they need. They might look at those challenges and think, I can't do this. This is just not, it's not worth the stress. 
that this is causing me in my life. And then to think on all of, on the other end of all of that effort, if they were to go in and try to make that effort to get the care that they might get there and then not get the appropriate care they need in the first place, you know, that's huge for people, especially people who feel burdened by stigma or maybe have been taught that seeking care means admitting weakness. There's just so many layers to why privacy and ease of access and appropriate care are so important. This brings me to a really important part of why I appreciate telehealth. Really, truly, when you're looking at it, if if you have all of those stressors and all of those concerns at the forefront of your mind, you know, going out in public, walking to that therapist's office or walking into the psychiatrist's office, that in itself can just be a huge roadblock. So knowing that you can reach out to the right person the first time in the way that feels right and appropriate for you so you can get that right care based on your genetic makeup and who you are as a person, your health history from the privacy of your own home where you feel safe physically, psychologically, that's paramount. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's a great summary of what the problems are today. You know, we really hope that we're able to lower that barrier to entry and allow people the psychological safety to say, hey, this is the right time for me to seek care. I feel comfortable seeking care from my own home. And I know that when I do seek care, my data is going to be used. My mental health is going to be treated and my my problems with my mental health are going to be treated like the illnesses they are and be given the respect that they deserve. And, you know, we're going to look at my genetics. We're going to look at my data to make more informed decisions about my care so that I get the right care the first time. And I'm not going to be treated like another commodity that's being pushed through the system. Exactly. So one of the other things that we connected on early on is how much we both care about building a healthier community. So one of the important parts of our conversation is how can we use technology to build a healthier community? That's a great question. I think there is ultimately no substitute for in-person communication when building communities. But technology and online communities can help keep us connected and reach more people. And there's real value in that and expanding the way that we think about community. And I think that, especially in this digital age, it's easy to get to conflate like fake communities from real communities. And especially as we think about Facebook and we think about other social media platforms where, again, there's there's a common phrase that like, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And a lot of these communities, so to speak, are being monetized and they're not really meant to connect us. If anything, they're meant to pull us apart. But there are real meaningful communities online. And one of them, of course, that, that you've built, Amy, with Emerge Thriving has, has been really incredible and inspiring to see. So I think technology in this sense has enabled us to, to connect more freely and easily with like-minded people who can support us online support groups, group therapy, uh, even technology tools like Headspace and Calm 
allow us to leverage technology to reach more people and create a bigger impact than we otherwise would in person. And I think there's a lot of really great value in that. But of course, again, not everything technology related, not everything online is going to be beneficial for generating community. We really have to think deliberately about what are the things that add value? What are the things that we're, where we're actually the product and we're being monetized? That's so important. And I really see the, the idea of a healthy community, the way I see it is that it's a kind of a wraparound around someone's life. So you have your individual care, taking care of yourself, your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical needs. And then there's the people around you, the people you associate with. Maybe it's your immediate family or your friends, your relationships. And then it just kind of builds outwards and extends to people maybe you work with or socialize with or see on some semi-regular basis. And then that pause, that wraparound, that community that you have that can be positive and it can be something that's help that's uh, supporting you in your personal growth and it's really life-giving to you. Or maybe it can be a burden and and that's something that's actually taking from you rather than giving to you. And I think utilizing some of the healthier communities that are available online can really bolster your health in so many different ways. It's an important part of feeling affirmed, feeling like you have value, like you have a healthy place that it's an outlet for you to contribute to other people's lives and to communicate what's on your mind and your heart, really a solid foundation for your for healing. That's a huge part of life that happens with people. So I appreciate everything you're sharing on that and helping us think when about it, like if we're talking about telehealth and healthcare, that we should also factor in some of the other ways that we are using technology to aid us in our care outside of the doctor's office, you know, especially now that we're kind of limited to virtual ways of connecting, not completely, but in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really great point that we're limited today, but what are ways in which we can reframe COVID and social distancing and all of the issues that have come with that as an opportunity to create something better? to create a digital environment that's enduring beyond COVID, such that we treat both our in-person and our digital communities with more respect and more value. What are some of the advantages of virtual care that people can utilize immediately? And then also, what ways do we need to continue advancing virtual care just in general? Yeah, telehealth is still ultimately in its infancy in the way that it's being deployed today. Oftentimes, I think telehealth can be seen as a, as a monolithic idea where it's either telehealth or it's in-person care. And the way I think about telehealth is that it's a tool in our toolbox. Oftentimes today, because it's so siloed, telemedicine can be viewed as synonymous with lower quality care, frankly. It's faster, it's cheaper, maybe not care continuity because you see someone different every time. It's maybe more pill pushy, in and out visits. And it doesn't have to be that way. Telehealth is a tool that we can use to improve the quality of care by, again, allowing 
members and patients to see a provider on a more regular frequency, to communicate with providers via text and via video call, allowing them that kind of asynchronous and synchronous communication that occurs in a much more rapid and effective way. And telehealth is a means to an end, right? It's a means to more continuous care, more effective care, cheaper and you know more sustainable care. But it's not the ends in themselves. And I think the future of healthcare is going to involve a blend of in-person and telehealth together synergistically where telehealth allows us to to help monitor and support members and patients after the visit and maintain that continuity of care. So I think that there's a lot that we can continue to do to improve telehealth. Today, I think it already provides tremendous value, though, in terms of opening up the door to access, again, as we discussed, lowering that barrier to entry, potentially lowering those cost barriers, and then providing more continuity of care over time. You know, in way, as far as ways in which we need to continue advancing, I think the idea of telehealth as a tool in our school kit, that's probably the big one, where there's so many telehealth companies popping up today because of the opportunity of COVID. But ultimately, whether those companies are serving the best interests of patients and paving the way for the future of healthcare, that's a different question. Because the future of healthcare is going to be more data-driven. The future of healthcare is going to focus on driving the best possible patient outcomes. It's not going to be about getting people in and out the door as fast as possible. And again, I, I think that's really going to be the priority today, looking towards the next decade, the next two decades. Like, how can we view telehealth as a tool to help improve these metrics and to help improve outcomes as the North Star rather than anything else? We really need to put humanity back at the center of everything we're doing. Centering capitalism produces a very different outcome, and we're seeing impacts of that today. But when, you, when you're meeting people wherever you're at, because we're all unique, individual, different needs, different ways of meeting those needs, but when you center the individual, you see the benefit and the outcome is a healthier community, a healthier individual, a healthier family. And then a, a healthier future generation. And I would even say there's a potential for healthier economics because when the individual thrives, then the impact of that begins to spread out and have a ripple effect, not just in their personal lives and the way that they show up for themselves, for their people in their relationships, for their children, for everywhere around them, but also in their professional lives. It can really make a big difference and really change the trajectory of where we're headed, really contribute to a lot of problem solving and solutions for some of our greatest challenges that we have today when you have healthy individuals contributing to the resolution of a lot of these issues we see like climate change or healthcare crises. And we have yet to see the full impact of that truly unfold for many different reasons. But especially including because we've been prioritizing capitalism. And the saddest part is when we put finances or capitalism at the center, then the thing that suffers the most is the person who's greatly needing care in the first place. And when they're living in that suffering place, you know, how they're impacting the people around them 
and the ripple effect that that's having around to them. I really appreciate what you're saying. You know, how we go about building virtual care matters. What we prioritize and how we go about building this really can make a difference. What are we focusing on and what are we cultivating? So this kind of leads to the next part of our conversation, which is as individuals, how can we help in the collaboration on the future of telehealth? Yeah, Amy, and just to double click on that too, I think you raised such a good point that today our healthcare system is insurance companies are at the center and capitalism is at the center and making money and fee-for-service care is at the center, not value-based care, not putting patients at the center. And don't get me wrong, Prairie Health is a for-profit company and we're here because we see that and we, we are obligated to return capital to our investors and we think that the greatest way to affect change for us is to grow at a scale in which we can affect change for the many millions of Americans who require help. But we believe that we can do that by putting patients at the center, driving better outcomes, and better outcomes means lower costs and less comorbidities, less hospitalizations. And that's really the place where we believe we can start to affect change, not in let's make more money out of squeezing more more services out of patients, because that's not the way that the future of healthcare should be. Like the future of healthcare should be, let's put the patient at the center. Let's get them as, let's provide them with everything they need to get better. And the money will come because we're going to drive the best possible outcomes. And that's going to mean lower long-term healthcare costs. Yeah. And if you're a safe place for that, you know, you're a reliable place for that. You're actually meeting the need for people, you're exactly right. People will seek you out and want to work with you. If you're a resource, they can trust. Absolutely. And to to your second question, Amy, as for how individuals can help collaborate on the future of telehealth, I think really leaning in and engaging to new technology is a big one. And I think telehealth in the age of COVID has changed. And people are starting to understand and see the value in telehealth and the ability for us to use it as a means for change. I think that individuals can also help collaborate by expecting better, by expecting, hey, like when I use telehealth, I'm not just going to see this doctor once and he's going to prescribe me some pills and then I won't see them again and there's going to be no follow-up. Like I'm going to expect the same in-person clinic experience online. I'm going to expect folks to follow up with me. I'm going to expect triage. I'm going to expect care management. I'm going to expect the same, if not higher quality care online as in-person. And I think that's an important thing that people can do to push telehealth forward is by expecting better. Yeah, I agree. And I think we set the standard and that can seem so foreign When we think about these large institutions that have the power um, and where we're funding in a lot of ways, you know, with our funds and supporting those large institutions individually, ultimately we are influencing their ability to do what they're doing. Not, I don't want to put the pressure on anyone to feel like, okay, we all have to dismantle these institutions all on our own and it's all on our shoulders and to carry that burden. I don't mean that, but when you know your individual expectations and what your needs are, 
when you know that, then when you're reaching out and looking for care, you know, see who it is that you're seeking care from. If there's a choice there and you're able to choose people whose mission and vision line up with putting you at the center, then you're able to invest your time, your money, your effort, everything that you bring to this healthcare relationship and to improving your health. And you're bringing a lot. And when you bring that value to an organization or a company or resource that recognizes and affirms your value and puts you at the center of everything that they're doing to ensure you get the care you need from the get-go, then that's a way of building up more of what we want to see in the healthcare landscape. That's a way of setting a standard for what care should be like and what, what we're looking for and what we're willing to accept and what we're not willing to accept. So for those of us who may initially feel like telehealth is a foreign concept, what are some key things that people might want to know or have in mind as they get started with telehealth in general? I think implementation can vary widely, but a couple things that I'd like just for people to at least see when they go seek telehealth is there should be a world in which access to medical care should be easier. And in this world, I'd imagine telehealth and your telehealth doctor to be like a family friend who is a doctor. That's the way that it should be, where you're able to text this doctor or text their assistant. You should be able to jump on a FaceTime with them or a FaceTime equivalent that's HIPAA compliant and secure and private and be like, hey, these are the things that I'm dealing with now. These are the updates. These are my symptoms. This is how the medication has been going. I need a refill. Like these are these are the kind of active and engaged updates that I'd like to see out of telehealth. And and that's really what the standard should be for telehealth. At its most basic, it's like, you know, you'll schedule an appointment, you'll get an invite to join a waiting room, and then you'll join a Google Meet or a Zoom or a HIPAA compliant telehealth platform. I think the real future that that I'd imagine is like, let's make healthcare easier and let's make it more consumer friendly by, again, viewing your telehealth doctor as a family friend who's a doctor and who's willing to hop on the call with you, who's willing to text you and give you updates. But of course, it's important that all of this is private and secure and HIPAA compliant. And that's, of course, something that we prioritize at Prairie and, and everyone in telehealth should be prioritizing. Okay, so reaching out to your trusted healthcare resource, then they initiate the process of how to meet virtually, how to check in, how to communicate via messages. Then you move forward with your continuum of care from there. Okay, so it sounds like communicating well and communicating thoroughly, having the information up front is pretty important to be able to start that process. And then the follow-up, that's something that I think is so important. We talked a little bit about that today, but especially when we're talking about virtual care, getting started on the right foot in the right way. I think having um, strong communication and then doing those follow-ups is really important because you initially have this meeting where you're sharing concerns. Uh, you're talking about your needs that you have and they there's some directive that comes as a result of that initial conversation. So then you're moving forward and deciding to implement and then you have results. Did this work for you? And so 
you know, having that follow-up is so important to ensure that you're getting effective care and making sure you're on the right path. And so you can pivot and change your plan or your approach if things are not going the way that they should. If you're not feeling better or there's a health issue. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, Amy, and I think that's exactly right. There's there's a really proactive aspect of telehealth where traditional healthcare is very reactive. It's, I have a problem, I'm going to go into the doctor. But the unique aspect of telehealth and technology is that we can catch problems early and we can be proactive about communicating when there's an issue. It's not a huge lift of taking time off work and going into the doctor and all of that. It's, okay, I'm going to shoot my doctor a message and be like, hey, something's up. Can we hop on a video call in the next week? And that's just a completely different experience that reframes what healthcare really is should be like. So for those of us who would like to stay connected with you, what's a good way to stay in touch? And then also for people who might have questions or they might want to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, you can always find us at our website, www.prairiehealth.co. That's uh, a .co. Uh, it can be a bit confusing. Or you could find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And you can also reach us uh, at inquiry at prairiehealth.co anytime, and we'll be happy to answer your questions. That's wonderful. And before we part ways, is there a final thought that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. Looking back on 2020, it was an undoubtedly challenging year. And I think I just want to share that, you know, you're not alone in your struggle with your mental health. And, you know, we saw unprecedented challenges to daily life brought about by the pandemic, natural disasters, political, social unrest, and and the like. And, you know, I think we have an opportunity to be stronger together by leading with empathy and care. And Communities like Emerge Thriving, resources like Prairie and others, they're ultimately here for you. And, you know, I think we can be stronger together by leading with empathy and care. Those are words from my soul. Thank you so much for a great conversation today, Maurice, and for bringing to light the potential and power of virtual care. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thanks, Amy. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.